Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we're going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Kathy and Ben Trent were your typical middle-class American couple. They had a son named Tyler and became your typical middle-class American family. Life was everything they had dreamed it could be when they met in a college church group. Ben supported the family with a steady job and was home for dinner every night. Kathy took care of Tyler and the house. On Sunday mornings, they loaded into the minivan and always got to church 10 minutes early. Ben directed the ushers. Kathy managed the nursery. They were devout. They were loved. But something wasn't quite right with Tyler. He had a disconcerting habit of focusing on some vacant point in the room. Sometimes his eyes would move slowly, as if tracking the movement of an invisible object. Other times, he would just stare at one point for minutes on end. This is quite normal for a young baby, but it continued as Tyler reached two, then three years old. By then he could express himself verbally, and Kathy would often press him to explain his fixations. He gave variations of the same explanation each time. I was just looking at my friend. Kathy might ask, the same friend as yesterday? And Tyler would reply, yeah, he's my only friend. Kathy explored her trusted parenting sites, christianparents.org and godschildren.net, for some answers about what might be happening inside Tyler's developing mind. What she found put her at ease. Both websites explained how children at his age have powerful imaginations, which can be leveraged to develop their understanding of good and evil, heaven and hell, God and devils. The next time she caught Tyler staring into space, she asked him if he saw his friend. He nodded. What does your friend look like? She asked, trying to be a part of his imaginary world. He's light, Mommy, Tyler said without moving his eyes. Oh? What does that mean? Kathy asked. He glows like a lamp and lets me see everything else. Everything else? Kathy was trying hard to participate, but she really had no idea what Tyler might be trying to say with his limited vocabulary. It's always dark until my friend comes. He makes it light, Tyler said. He finally broke his gaze and beamed at her. He keeps away the bad guys, too. Bad guys? Kathy asked. She pinched her eyebrows together, but relaxed a moment later. A bright friend banishing darkness? Bad guys kept away by the light? Tyler must be starting to grasp the concept of angels. The websites were right. 
His imagination was creating tangible images of the stories he had heard from the Bible. She expressed an uncontrollable smile, but then Tyler continued. The bad guys want to get me. They hide in the darkness and try to grab me. Sometimes I can't see them, but I know they're there. Kathy's smile vanished. With angels came demons. But that's all right, she thought. It's all in his head. She told her friend Jenna about it the next day as they pushed their strollers down the sidewalk. Jenna, far less devout than Kathy, had a very different take on Tyler's imagination. You might want to have him talk to a therapist, she told Kathy. Those are pretty intense visualizations for a four-year-old. Kathy knew Jenna didn't have the same spiritual strength she possessed. Jenna's faithlessness blinded her to possibilities beyond what medical science could explain. Oh, I don't think that's necessary, Kathy explained. What would he have to talk to a therapist about? Plus, he's done this since he was a baby. Jenna replied, I know you have such strong faith and I would never want to diminish your beliefs, she said. But a child's development is easily shifted if they get the wrong ideas. Wrong ideas? Kathy snapped. She stopped walking. Exactly what wrong ideas do you think I'm giving my son? Jenna sighed as she also stopped. She was in it now. Might as well speak her mind. All the angel talk might be comforting for adults, but it must be confusing for a kid his age. Think about it. Invisible spiritual beings who are defending him from the forces of evil? That's a lot for a kid to wrap his head around. Maybe it seems that way to someone who can't see past the world in front of them, Kathy argued. But in our family, we accept that there's a world beyond the physical earth. Tyler is gifted. He's able to grasp these concepts better than you or I ever could. He believes he's literally seeing the battle between good and evil right in front of him. That, Jenna exclaimed, you don't think that's a little concerning? Quite the opposite, Kathy replied. She continued walking. Jenna followed her the rest of the way around the block. When they were back in front of Kathy's house, Jenna asked another burning question. Has he seen a doctor yet? Who, Tyler? Yes, I know you don't trust them, but don't you want to be sure there's nothing wrong with your son? Jenna asked. Kathy dissected her with a harsh gaze. Jenna was used to this stare. It was Kathy's way of testing you. Jenna had watched former friends of Kathy's fold under this stare and forever be dominated by Kathy afterwards. Jenna stayed strong. No, Kathy finally said. He has not seen a doctor, nor does he need to. Have a nice night, Jenna. Ben was less enthused about Tyler's vivid imagination than Kathy, but he chose not to voice his concerns after he saw how excited his wife felt about it. Do you actually think he's seeing angels? Ben asked her as they were falling asleep one night. No. Maybe, she replied drowsily. I believe he thinks he's seeing them. Think about what that means, though. He's got such a powerful grasp of the struggle between good and evil as it's described in scripture. His faith must be so deep. We're raising a strong little soldier for God, Ben. Ben rolled over and kissed her shoulder. I'm sure you're right he whispered. They fell asleep. A few hours later, they were woken up by screaming in Tyler's room. They both ran out of their room and found Tyler running towards them. The bad guys got too close, he cried. One of them almost got me. Come here, Ben said, crouching and extending his arms. 
fell into them and shook with fear as he cried. Ben shot a concerned glance at Kathy. Let's go check out your room, he said. He stood, took Tyler's hand, and walked him back to his bedroom. The room was just as it should have been. Tyler just had a nightmare, Ben thought. One of them was in my closet. The other one was hiding under the bed. He's the one that almost got me, Tyler whispered. You know, I used to have nightmares about monsters under the bed too, Ben said. My parents taught me to pray to make them go away. I did, Tyler replied. That's when the light man came and made them go away. But he was almost too late. Wait, where'd he go? The light man? Kathy asked. Yeah, he was right there, Tyler replied. Ben said, they're just dreams, kiddo. Why don't you come sleep with us? Kathy interjected. Ben gave her another look. Oh, come on, Ben. He was almost scared to death. Let's all sleep together for the rest of the night. Okay, thanks, Mommy, Tyler beamed. Kathy wanted a chance to see the light man herself. A few minutes after they had all fallen asleep, Ben felt his sheet get dragged off of him, waking him. Annoyed, he snatched it and tugged it back. The sheet got ripped from his fingers and flew off the bed. Ben sat up straight. He had thought Kathy or Tyler had been pulling the sheet, but the sheet lay on the floor at the foot of the bed, a direction neither of them would have pulled it. Kathy, he whispered. She stirred a little, but did not wake. Ben heard the bed springs squeal and froze. Suddenly, Tyler was dragged like the sheet to the foot of the bed by an invisible force. Kathy, Ben shouted. He tried to grab Tyler's hands, but missed. His son slid off the bed and hit the floor with a sickening thud. The bedroom door burst open and slammed against the wall. Tyler, still unconscious, slid towards the open door. Ben jumped off the bed, grabbed Tyler's wrists, and pulled. Whatever had a hold of Tyler was strong, but gave up quickly. When it let go, Ben fell backwards and pulled Tyler on top of himself. He felt something warm and sticky hit his cheek. Turn on the light, he shouted to Kathy. As soon as she flipped the switch, Ben could see what he had felt. Blood. Lots of blood. Tyler's hair was soaked with it, along with Ben's cheek, neck, and shirt. Oh God, Ben cried. He rolled Tyler over and located his wound. There was an inch-long gash near his hairline. He must have cut his head when he hit the floor, Ben thought. He said his son's name over and over, lightly patting his cheeks, but Tyler remained unconscious. We've got to get him to the ER, he said. What? No, it's just a cut, Ben. He doesn't need those fraudsters, Kathy replied. Kathy, enough. He's not waking up. I'm taking him in. Fine. I'm coming with to make sure they don't do anything to him. Within minutes, they were flying down empty streets toward the hospital. When they pulled up to the emergency room entrance... Ben told Kathy to park the car, and he carried Ben inside. The front desk attendant saw him coming with the blood-soaked child and pressed a button. Before Ben could even explain what had happened, a team of men and women in mint scrubs rushed through the doors with a stretcher. He hit his head and won't wake up. Ben showed them the wound as he laid Tyler on the stretch. We'll take him back. You can follow us, one of the men said. With that, they wheeled Tyler through the doors. Ben felt a small rush of relief as he jogged down the hall with them. He had done the right thing, and now the responsibility for his son was in capable hands. Kathy came in moments later. Where's my son? What are they doing to him? Kathy asked the front desk attendant. They took him back to treat his wound. Your husband went with them, she answered. Kathy's face twisted with rage and she made to storm through the doors. Ben came through them first and grabbed her. He's going to be okay, he told her. Once he finally convinced Kathy to sit, she calmed down. 
A few minutes later, a doctor emerged through the doors. Mr. Trent? he asked. Ben and Kathy stood. The doctor motioned for them to follow him. Your son will be fine, he said. I want to lead with that, because the rest of this conversation might be difficult. What did you do to him? Kathy demanded. I've done nothing but stitch your son's wound, the doctor replied calmly. He seems to have been in shock, but he's all right now. He's awake and alert. Now, has Tyler ever seen a doctor in his life? Ben blushed and looked down, but Kathy spoke right up. He's never needed to, perfectly healthy his whole life. That's not quite true, Mrs. Trent, the doctor said. His chastising tone cut like a knife. Both parents stopped walking simultaneously. The doctor turned toward them and inhaled deeply. I'm just going to give it to you straight. Your son is blind. What? Both Ben and Kathy shouted. He wasn't when we brought him in here, Kathy hissed. You did do something to him. He was, and I did not, the doctor replied. He's likely been blind since birth. You haven't noticed he can't see? But he can, Ben replied quietly. He's always been able to get around on his own. He describes things he sees, too. No disrespect, but I think you're wrong, doctor. Well, I'll need to examine him much more thoroughly. No, Kathy interjected. The doctor ignored her and continued, but I believe Tyler was born with retinopathy of prematurity, or ROP. It causes the retinas to form wrong and detach in the early stages of growth. So, he's never been able to see? Ben asked. Never, the doctor replied. I'll give you two some time with him, and you can discuss any questions you have before you head home. I'd recommend you schedule a time to bring him back soon, though. The doctor led the Trents into a room near the end of the hallway. There, they found Tyler sitting up and staring into the corner. When they entered, he looked directly at them and smiled. The doctor frowned. Impossibly, the child did show signs of sight. He did as he promised, though, and left the family alone. Tyler, are you alright? Kathy asked. Yeah, Mom, I'm fine, he assured her. Kathy hugged him. Hey, kiddo, can you see this? Ben held up a tongue depressor he grabbed from a jar on the counter. It's too dark in here. I can't see very well, Tyler replied. Ben looked up at the glowing white fluorescence, then frowned at Kathy. What do you mean, dark, Tyler? Kathy asked. She sat next to him on the hospital bed and took his hand in hers. I can only see your lights. I could see the doctor's light, too. If my friend was here, I could see. When will he find me? Hold on, hold on, sorry, kiddo, but I don't understand, Ben said. What do you mean, our lights? What friend are you talking about? You and Mommy have little lights, but my friend has a big light. The bad guys are scared of his light. But they aren't scared of ours, Ben asked. Nuh-uh, that's why my friend has to keep them away. Do you know where he is? Sorry, Tyler, I don't... He's waiting for you at home, Kathy interrupted, and that's where we're gonna go. She lifted Tyler off the bed and set him on the floor. A few minutes later, they were back on the road heading home. As they drove over the bridge, two miles from their house, Tyler gasped and pointed at the window. Drive faster, Mommy, he screamed. The bad guys found us. Out his window, Tyler saw red orbs floating up from under the bridge. Their glow outlined the silhouettes of four dog-like heads. The orbs were eyes. The black creatures started running alongside the car on their hind legs. Kathy couldn't see anything, but she punched the gas anyway. 
careful, Kathy, Ben warned as she took a turn so quickly his left buttock left the seat. She didn't slow down until their house was in sight. She pulled into the garage and before she even shut off the car, Tyler opened his door, jumped out, and ran inside. Tyler, Ben called after him. He fumbled his seatbelt release twice before finally getting out and chasing after his son. Kathy waited behind. She was trying to feel the presence of the spirits her son could see. As she sat in the silent garage, she heard a deep growl. The garage door closed behind her. Ben found Tyler in his room. His son had run through the dark house without turning on a single light, and now he stood with his arms wrapped around something Ben couldn't see. He had his head turned and his eyes closed as if he was wrapped in a comforting embrace. Kathy? Ben called nervously as he watched his son hug the invisible person. When she didn't answer, he called again. Still no answer. He didn't want to leave Tyler, but a nauseating instinct told him something was very wrong. Stay here, he said as he left Tyler's room and ran back to the garage. He hadn't locked it, but the doorknob wouldn't turn. He could hear the engine running on the other side. Ben pounded on the door, shouting for his wife, but she still wouldn't answer. He ran to the front door, which did open, and was horrified to see the garage door shut. With trembling fingers, he punched in the door code and waited as the sectioned door slowly raised. Noxious gas greeted him like a specter of death. He ducked inside as soon as the door had raised high enough and ran to the driver's side of the van. Kathy was still inside, unconscious. The van was locked, so Ben grabbed a hammer from his workbench and smashed the window. He reached in, unlocked the door, and dragged Kathy's heavy, limp body out onto the driveway. Somebody help me! He screamed before beginning CPR on his wife. It's okay, Daddy. Tyler's voice made Ben jump. His son was standing on the porch, holding an invisible hand. Mommy's over here. Her light is brighter, like my friend's now. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.